Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. All right, this morning I'm going to have you turn to two different passages, and you can just pick which one, put your finger in the other one, but I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 6. Verse 9, I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 1. So whichever one you want to select there, you can uh, pick it and then put your finger in the other one. Again, it's Matthew 6, verse 9, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1. These are two uh, complementary verses. They introduce the same section of Scripture Um, It's referred to in many Bibles uh, with the heading of the model prayer. This is where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Uh, This is going to be a bit of a theme that we are going to spend the next few weeks on. We're not going to march through the Lord's Prayer. We had done that a couple of years ago, and those sermons are still up online. So if you want to just dive into that model prayer, you can do that with some past teaching. But we are going to spend some time in the month of January focusing on prayer and some things that I believe God is wanting to stir within us, some things that God is wanting to enhance in our prayer life. And uh, this morning, we are going to uh, begin the journey with recognizing the priority of prayer. So here, in this initial verse that kicks off the model prayer, Jesus is indicating and communicating the priority of prayer to his disciples. And I will go ahead and just read uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, which says, "...in this manner, therefore..." pray. And we're going to stop there. And in uh, Luke uh, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, when you pray. So here is, is, is kind of the, 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 the reality of what Jesus is, is providing as a focus to his disciples. And this is one of those interesting moments where they are responding to something they had seen. Okay, I want you to think about this for a minute. You know, Jesus, they've spent some time with him. He's been about teaching. They've seen miracles. They've seen crowds. They've seen a variety of different things that have established uh, Jesus as the Son of God, one with messianic authority, one who has come to see the kingdom of God established here on earth, one who has come to, to make a way that we might have relationship with the God that sin separates us from. And in all of those cases, and in most of the time, we don't see the disciples asking this question, Lord, show us how to do this. But when they see Jesus pray, they say, Lord, teach us how to do that. So as an observer, they had seen these great works, but they had seen Jesus pray, they had heard him pray, and there had to be this connection between what had happened could be traced back to how he prayed. And because of that, the disciples are saying, Jesus, teach us. Teach us how to pray like that. Now, now, now think about this for a minute. The, the idea of prayer is not a new idea here. I mean, they had seen other people pray. They had grown up in a, in a religious system that in, incorporated prayer. But there was something different about not only the way that Jesus prayed, but about what happened after he prayed. 
And the disciples say, Lord, give us some of that. We want to know more about this. And as Jesus says, when you pray, and in this manner pray, he is essentially, I believe, indicating to them that prayer needs to be a priority in the lives of those who follow him. So there's this focus, there's this emphasis. There's kind of this idea that says that the things that you have seen cannot happen outside of this. So here's a model, here's a way to pray so that you too can see the work of the kingdom established both in your life and through the ways that you serve him. So I want to dive right into it quickly. We're a little bit behind on time and and, and, and we see this priority of prayer here. It's a clear picture that Jesus is, 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 is painting. And, and there's many reasons why Jesus would want to establish prayer as uh, one of our priorities. And I'm going to just focus on one for the remaining time that we have. And uh, it's, 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 it's a reality that we, we live under, but we might not recognize. Or it might be a reality that we minimize just by virtue of, of where we've come from and, and how we have sized up what we have read in Scriptures. But prayer needs to be a, a priority in, in, in the life of every believer for many reasons, this being one of them. The enemy is out to destroy. You know, we oftentimes see Jesus retreating into prayer at those critical moments in his ministry where things were beginning to, to come to a culmination and, and, and then there was a, something big was about to happen in regards to God's plan and timing. And, 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 and those are the kinds of things that the enemy looks to destroy or to distract us from. And, and, and I just want to kind of address here quickly this morning this, this notion that the enemy is about other things. Sometimes I think that when we think of, uh, you know, the enemy as an adversary, we tend to minimize his purpose. We tend to minimize what he wants to do. And, and maybe that just comes from what we're exposed to as we grow up because we see a cartoon character devil that stands on the shoulder of people that just is encouraging them to do the wrong thing. And the Bible paints a very different picture The devil is not a cartoon figure, but rather he is one with limited time who has a specific purpose. And all that he does works to the end of seeing the plans and purposes of God in people's lives and in the world destroyed. And everything that he does, he sets out for that goal and for that end. And as I was thinking about that, I, I just kind of saw three different areas, really, in regards to the ways that the enemy seeks to destroy that we experience. And as I you know, kind of dive into this a little bit, let me just tell you that, that some of this is coming from times of personal reflection. 
As I spent some time off these last couple of weeks, you, know, you naturally look back at the, the, the year that you have just experienced and and you say, and I say, Lord, you know, help me to, to see things as you see them. Help me to take away what I need to take away. Help me to learn what I need to learn. And it's kind of from that context that the Lord was, was showing me some of these things. And one of the things that, that he revealed to me about last year in relation specifically to, to, to me personally was that there are times when the enemy works boldly to destroy. He works boldly to destroy. He's not hidden. He's not trying to mask it, but it's right out in front. It's bold, and it's um, there. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you why I came to that conclusion. I think it was the month of September. Just you know, all kinds of work and activity around the church and things getting done and and uh, was not getting a lot of time off and just kind of going from one thing to the next and, and just going and going and going. And it just kind of felt like, you know, never able to pump the brake pedal a little bit. And, and, and right in the middle of all of that, uh, you know, there were kind of some kind of strange mechanical things that were taking place with vehicles in my family. And, and one of them I shared with you was coming to the office one day and uh, everything is going great until I hit the brake pedal at a stop sign and the brakes go to the floor and I've got no brakes in my truck. And in that moment, it's like, okay, older vehicles have problems. And I just kind of glossed it over a little bit and got the problem fixed. What I didn't tell you was that happened on a Monday on my way to staff meeting. The next Sunday, as I left church, in the afternoon, I was uh, heading up to the hospital to go uh, visit somebody, and I'm at an intersection. The light turns green. I look both ways. It seems to be clear. I begin to come out into the intersection and out of the blue, and I don't know if I didn't see it or if it was just the rate of speed the person was driving at, but a great big black Chevy Suburban is going to fly through the intersection and is hitting the brakes, and it's Tires are squealing and smoking, and um, I'm, it's one of those deals that happen very quickly, but appear to be very slow. By the grace of God, the person was able to stop their vehicle about a foot away from my driver's door. And I thank the Lord. I went to the hospital. I got home. I told Chris I moved on. It was the next week in prayer, and then even as I was thinking about it over the last couple of weeks, you know, the Lord just reminded me that the, the enemy was very boldly trying to take me out. And that was the word that the enemy spoke to me. He said, there's a target. So there's those things that happen. And again, I'm not saying that the devil's behind everything and he's under every rock, but I'm saying that, that there is a discernment and a boldness that needs to occupy the mind of believers. And in that moment, some things that I was not seeing, the Lord was saying, hey, you need to pay a little bit more attention. And you need to direct your prayers in a little different way. But, you know, sometimes the enemy, he acts subtly. He's very very uh, quiet. He's very behind the scenes. He's very unnoticeable in how he works in us. And because of that, prayer needs to be a priority. And oftentimes, the enemy works in a very subtle way in our minds. 
You know, a thought comes, and we're not quick to dismiss it, but we entertain it. And we don't even recognize that you know, that thought is outside the scope and the promise of what God has given His people. And we, we just kind of entertain it, and we embrace it, and we allow it to stay there, as opposed to telling it to go away. And taking that thought captive, and, 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 and taking steps to replace that thought with the truth of God. So prayer needs to be a priority because whether the enemy is working boldly or very subtly, you know, prayer is oftentimes one of the things that exposes those schemes and those things that come against us. But every scheme, whether it be very noticeable or very behind the scenes, has one objective, and that is to destroy. John chapter 10, the enemy has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. Ephesians 6 chapter 12 gives us another picture into the reality that we live in as believers. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I'm here this morning to bring the word of God in a way that opens our eyes to the reality that there are things going on that we cannot see, and they do not work for our good, but they work to destroy us, they work to distract us, and they work Work to stand against the purposes of God. It's a reality. And because of that, prayer needs to be a priority. You know, if Jesus had to pray, and if Jesus reminds his disciples when they see how he prayed, that you need to do it in this manner, and when you pray, not if you pray, we need to make prayer a priority because of the world that we live in and because of what is going on around us. I want to just kind of pick apart real quick um, this Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, because uh, this reality of, uh, of, of, of things that we cannot see working against the purposes of God uh, causes a few things to uh, be priorities in regards to discernment. We must be discerning. We must recognize what is spiritual. Ephesians 6.12 tells us there are principalities and there are powers. You say, well, what's a principality? I mean, you know, maybe in your mind you're thinking principal, right? Like they're going to the principal's office or something because there's kind of a similar route there. You know, but in, in some ways it is, it is very, uh, you know, f- similar to that word in the sense that a principality is a, a, a prince over a region, one with authority over a territory. In just a moment, we're going to go to, to Daniel 10. And in that context, you know, Daniel is told that the, the prince of the power of Persia contested me, the angel said. And, and Michael, the archangel, had to come and, and to, to contest that principality. So there is this, this reality within the scriptures that there are princes over regions or territories. And let me tell you this, there are princes over the Rockford region. And, and then the church of God are, are, are those who are called to stand in opposition to these princes. And you may say, well, what are some of the, the princes that occupy the space in our region? And, and I just initially saw a number of things that, 
come up. Things that have plagued our region for generations that oftentimes have a spiritual root to them. Things like violence and division. Poverty. Addiction. Lust. Let me tell you a few things about the Rockford area. We have an unusual amount of people living in poverty in our region. It's not just a social problem, though there are social things that need to be done, but there are spiritual components behind much of it. You know, violence labels our community. You know, when you travel outside of Rockford and you tell people where you are from, what do they refer to? You know, they refer to the Forbes list. Division. There's racial division in our city. Our, our, our division is historic in the sense that when this area was being settled, there were people that settled on both sides of the river and they didn't like one another. And because of that, the bridges weren't built straight. They were built crooked. Because they, they, they wouldn't come to agreement on what was best for the area. And they, they fought against one another. There's these things that are historic. I said lust because just alone in Rockford, the last stats that I saw put us number two or number three in the state of Illinois for sex trafficking. You look at little old Rockford and you think there's not not much of consequence going on in our humble little town, but listen to this. There are social problems with spiritual roots that are very real and very hidden. And the church of God has been called to stand in opposition to those things. And because of that, prayer must be a priority. We have been called to prayerfully stand against these things. To, shall I say, to war against these things. There is an adversary who stands in the way of spiritual resources that have been made available to the church. We've been given all that we need for life and godliness. Ephesians 1.3 tells us that, that uh, Jesus has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have been given resources the world does not have. And the enemy stands in the way of those things when we allow him to. We have to prayerfully stand against, prayerfully go to war. Church, I want you to know this morning that you have not been left unequipped to do the work that God has called us to. But when we attempt to do those things outside of prayer, we do it in our strength and we do not see what the power of God can accomplish. So whenever and wherever the enemy is at work and whenever and wherever he seeks to destroy, confront him in prayer. I heard somebody say this, our focus should not be why is the enemy attacking? Because we should expect that. But our focus should be why are his schemes successful? kind of reorient our thinking a little bit. You know, 2019 for many of our families was a very trying year. A very challenging year. I'm not giving any 
any, any, any credit to uh, the devil or trying to make something uh, you know, bigger than it is here. But let me just kind of you know, give you a little refresher course, okay? 2019, I did 15 funerals. 2018, I did 16 funerals. From a pastoral perspective, I sat with more of you in my office this year and we wept over situations that you were going through, situations that your families were going through. And we saw a disproportionate number of people going through major medical crises. And there's times and seasons for everything. And and, and when those things are upon us, I believe the Lord would not call us to an anxiety that would say, why? Why is this happening? But I believe the Lord would call us to a a, a level of prayer that says, I'm going to take it a step up. We've got this kind of this normal baseline. Like when, 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 when life is just kind of in a status quo place, this is what my life looks like. But I tell you what, when it spikes and when you've got some stuff going on that's irregular, you know what, your prayer life needs to go to the next level too. They're not here this morning, so I'll just say it. But, you know, Bill and Lynn Johnson, you know, Lynn gone through... Um, you know, uh, a recurrence of cancer this year, you know. And, um, you know, it hit right at a time when several others were going through similar things. And, uh, you know, Bill had stepped in to help us on one of the rental houses that we had to rehab. And, and right as all this was coming down, there was a morning when I went over there to talk to him about the house and just the things that needed to get done. But we stood on the porch and we wept to God and we interceded for Lynn. Because when I looked into the eyes of Bill, I could see that it was heavy on him. And this was the commitment that Bill and I made to one another in that moment. We weren't going to fight fair. (laughs) All right, in the sense that it kind of felt like the enemy had pulled out all the stops and was was uh, just doing all that he could. But we weren't going to fight fair because we were going to fight on our knees. And we were going to lay the request at the feet of God. And there's more of a story to tell there. God has been good, and we'll do that at some point. But I just share that to say this. When things get a little heavier than normal, your prayer life needs to go to the next level. I don't run the other way, but rather press in. Because if you are in Christ, you are not powerless. I want you to know this promise. The Lord quickened the scripture as I was writing this sermon on Thursday. I'm going to read it to you, all right? 
I just want you to listen right now, okay? I'm not even going to tell you where it's at. I'll tell you after we're done. I want you to listen. I want you to receive this word, and then I'm, I'm going to just kind of share one little thing from it as a way to encourage you. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. I underlined in my notes and I capitalized it, the word all. You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Prayer needs to be a priority because it's the place where faith is cultivated within us. And Paul tells the church in Ephesus that you, know, you have been given a resource that is a shield to you. And when that shield of faith is raised, it will quench all of the fiery darts of the enemy. It doesn't always look like the way that we think it's going to, but you know what? The Lord never forsakes us. He never abandons us. He is always with us in this life and in the life to come. If you need to stand on that promise, it's Ephesians six sixteen. I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit here because there is a... a a person in the Bible that illustrates these things that we are talking about very well, and I want to talk about him. So we're going to talk about Daniel in five minutes. Daniel for five, okay? He illustrates um, this priority of prayer. He, he, he gives us a picture into what happens when we pray. He, he gives us this 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 understanding of how God responds to our prayer and how he meets our needs when we pray to him. And, and, and I'm just referring to Daniel chapter 10. And the context of this is Daniel is mourning over the reports he has heard concerning Jerusalem. Daniel's in exile. He hears about Jerusalem. You know, just like Nehemiah, just like Ezra, just like many, many others. When he hears the report, his response is he's weeping. He's crying out. He knows the promises of God. He knows the plan that God has for Jerusalem. And he sees the exact opposite. And instead of, of being aware of it and responding in anxiety, he is driven to prayer. In fact, he's driven to 21 days of prayer and fasting. And he's calling on the name of the Lord to do something. To bring change. And not just the, the kind of change that, 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 that political leaders can bring or religious leaders can bring, but the kind of change that only God can establish. And his response is weeping. And I just, I think of that, and I think of, of, of Rockford in our area, and we talk about violence, we talk about lust, we talk about brokenness. And I say, church, have we weeped over them? And I ask us that question because the only way to confront those works that any principality wants to do in our area is to operate in a different spirit. 
Now let me kind of quantify this for you a little bit. All right? The uh, Rockford has been known as a, a divided community of the haves and the have-nots with a river that divides the two. All right? So we pray for that. As the church, we say that's unacceptable because that reality doesn't flow from the heart of God. So how do we operate in a different spirit? Uh, We cross those barriers and we bring the reality of the kingdom to those areas of need. You know, that's what we did with Project 1013. East side, west side, you know, working together to help areas in need. Not the church just, you know, looking from a lofty position and saying, well, hey, that ain't right and that's broken. But rather the church saying, if we are going to confront the things that exist in our region, we have to operate in a different spirit. So we are going to go and we are going to cross lines and we are going to serve and we are going to love and we are going to come alongside. You know, we're doing the same thing on Wednesday nights with the, the tutoring club and the guided homework and, and the things that we're offering as adult electives and what we're doing with our youth and with our children because, you know, for far too long I've heard even within the church people say that, you know, the District 205 has nothing to offer our kids. It's broken beyond repair. You know, this is kind of a commentary that has existed for decades in our community. When the reality is, there are some great things happening in 205. And if, and if you don't believe me, you just talk to some of our teachers. Talk to Carlos. Talk to Swanee. Talk to Jennifer Peterson. There's good work, good things happening. But as a church, we're not going to add to the chorus of people who are just saying it ain't no good, but rather we're going to come alongside and say we love the next generation enough that we are going to help them and lift their hands so that they succeed. Because you know what? It, it's, th- this... You can, you, can, you can say what you want to say about what you hold dear, but what you do is more important. And if there is a church or a community that says we've paid our dues, we're going to look the other way, we don't care about those who are coming behind us, we are not operating in the right spirit. The only way we see the work of the kingdom established in Rockford is when we operate in a different spirit. And that's where Daniel's heart was flowing. God, you do something. Oh, I already took my five. All right. Daniel is mourning. Then we see in, in, in Daniel ten twelve that that principalities and powers always oppose God's work. Listen to this. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. (laughs) That is a mind-blowing statement. Prayer is a priority because... (laughs) 
When we pray, God hears. When we pray, God hears. It may not appear the answer's coming, but that doesn't mean it's not on the way. The angel says, don't fear, Daniel. The Lord is aware. He sent me, and someone got in my way, and we threw hands. And as we were throwing hands, I wasn't able to break through. And you know what? The Lord sent Michael, one of the chief princes, to come to my aid, and we broke through. And I'm coming to you today and telling you, don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. The Lord has heard. You have prayed. He has heard your voice. The reality is true today. We've got a mega meeting coming up with our leadership in a couple of weeks, and, I, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now real quick. An awful lot of what God is saying to me is, church, pray more. We're going to have to figure out some ways to do that. Some ways to mobilize you. Some ways to stir your faith. Some ways to get the Word of God in your heart so that when you're standing in that place of opposition, you've got a shield of faith to raise and a sword to put in the nose of that principality or power. So often time, time's anxiety works to overtake us in those moments of adversity, but the angel said, fear not. I thought about that and the Lord dropped into my heart this phrase. The lack of anxiety doesn't indicate a lack of awareness. Sometimes we respond to adversity this way. Well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. What are we going to do about it? And it's not a weeping and a mourning like we see Daniel's heart, but rather it's an anxiety that has consumed us that said something is not right. And we've got to do something. God doesn't call us to anxiety, but rather I believe He calls us to an awareness to see what the need is and to bring it to Him in faith. Bring it to Him in faith. But here, let's focus on this and then I'll land this thing. Daniel here is reminded that from the first day, he was heard. And why was he heard? Here's the caveat. Here's the catalyst. Here's where our hearts need to be. Because he set his heart to understand. And because he humbled himself before God. Let that response be ours. Make prayer a priority. And then it says, because of his words, the angels were dispatched. Michael came. And Daniel was helped to understand the things that had been hidden from him. And I want to tell you today, from this pulpit, I want you to hear this loud and clear this morning. I want to speak those kinds of words. I want to pray those kinds of prayers. I want that kind of heart to be the kind of heart that Rock Church has that would have those who are for us say this of us. Because of your words. 
because of your prayers, because of your heart and mind that we're set to understand, because of the humility that you demonstrated before God, we have come and heaven has brought about an answer to those words that you have prayed. Let that be said of us. And I think there's this response of Daniel after all of that is said that we can identify with. Daniel 10, 16. Because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. That just kind of seems almost like it doesn't belong there, right? Here, here we see... We see Daniel weeping and praying for 21 days. We, we, there's an angelic revelation of, of what happened because he prayed. And you would kind of come away from that saying, wow, that would be kind of an energizing thing. But Daniel is, is responding by saying, I don't have any more strength left in me because of what I have just heard. I know many of you have felt that way in the last 12 to 18 months. There is a work that is going on. Your faith remains in God, but you just have not felt strong. I believe that prayer is a priority because it's the place where we find His strength. Because listen to this conversation. Daniel responds that way. And then the angel responds to him back by saying, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Lord, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. See, I believe what was happening right there. Number one, Daniel was physically weak because a 21-day fast will do that to you, right? So whether he was talking about physical strength or spiritual strength or probably both, really only Daniel knows. But know this, that when we respond to God with a heart to understand and a humility that puts us in His presence in a way that says, Lord, I need You. I'm depending on You. I can't do it on my own. We may feel weak for a moment, but the Lord renews those who wait upon Him. Oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. I believe some of you need to hear those words today. Fear not, peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. Prayer has to be a priority. Adversity 
wants us to respond in anxiety in isolation when the reality is that when those moments and times come, the Lord invites us in. And he reminds us that he is acutely aware of all that is going on. And then he reminds us that he is the one who gives us purpose and strength in the middle of it. It's because of that this morning. The call of God's word to us is to pray. And if you have been praying and are still in that place of challenge, let's take your prayers to the next level. Why don't you stand with me? going to just pray that the Lord bring application today wherever it fits. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, I just pray right now for an outpouring of encouragement and faith in this room. Uh, You're the God who fills the empty places. (laughs) The God of overflow. Uh, The one who has given the church every spiritual blessing that we need to be the church. And Lord, I I just pray today that we would be on the receiving end of those things that we are in need of. So I want to take you through an exercise right now as you're asking the Lord for application. and, And then as you do that, make your next step that step that Daniel took of setting your mind to understand and humbling your heart before God. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, what are you calling me to? Lord, what is it that you are wanting to accomplish in me? Lord, Lead me, guide me, shepherd my hearts. What steps are you calling me to take? If you're here today and, and you would just say, you know, I'm, um, I'm at the place where I'm saying that I want to make prayer a higher priority. I want to seek understanding. I want to respond in humility to the Lord. As we embark on this new year, would you just raise your hand? And I just want to pray along with you. Lord, thank you for your work in us today. Thank you, Lord, for 
in your word that says that when we draw close to you, you draw close to us. Thank you for the reminder from Daniel that when we pray, you hear. Thank you, Lord God, for the truth and the reality that when we humble our hearts before you, it, it creates, Lord God, this environment for you to move in us. And Father, I pray for that now. I pray that, that as we look at the priority of prayer, Lord, may, may you lead us, Lord God, to those, those deeper places, those responses, Lord God, that come from having heard from you because we've humbled our hearts. So, Lord, as Sunday becomes Monday, Lord, help us to work it out. Lord, whatever it looks like for any given person, Lord, I pray that you just give that clear direction as you lead us. And we thank you, Lord, for the exciting work that you want to do in us as we embrace this new year and we commit ourselves to that end. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just uh, you're here today and honestly you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Uh, You can know a lot about him. You could have heard a lot about him from other people. But you're, you're at a place where you've never made him your own. You say, I need to take that step. I need to know Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Knowing the forgiveness for my sins. Knowing his lordship over my life. If there's anyone here today that would need to take that step, would you just raise a hand? We want to pray a prayer that's, okay, I see that hand. We want to pray a prayer that just affirms faith in Jesus. We're going to pray it with you. And this is just the beginning of a journey. Anyone else today, I need to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Okay, as we prepare to leave, let's pray this prayer together. And for those of you that are walking with Christ, this is affirming that commitment. And for, for one, this is a commitment of life to Him. Let's pray this line by line together. Oh Lord, I am a sinner. I'm willing to turn from my sin, but I need your help. I receive Christ into my heart by faith. I want him to be Lord of my life from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, as we go, we pray we go in your grace and your peace. Pray, Lord, you'd watch over us and keep us and bring us back again safely. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. We would love to have you join us for a service in person. Our service times are on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with discipleship groups meeting before the service at 9 o'clock. God bless you.